The scripture reading before Nelson's lesson tonight will be from 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, verses 1 through 2. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Thank you, Tim. Welcome to each of you tonight. We're thankful for everyone that is out. Um, as Anthony introduced the May lessons last Sunday evening, what we are doing on on the Sunday evenings in May is uh, preaching sermons from questions of our members that have been submitted to us. And um, Anthony last week mentioned that there were more uh, lesson topics that have been submitted thus far than we have Sunday evenings in May, and that's a good thing. Um, we will not ignore uh, questions that, that are submitted, but we'll get to those sometime later if, if they are a, a question that um, uh, needs a sermon to address them. And to let you know what is uh, going to happen the next couple of Sunday evenings, on uh, May 17th, the lesson will be about the care of widows or widows and, and the elderly. On May 24th, it will be the topic of uh, Sunday, how a Christian should treat Sundays. Are we supposed to treat a Sunday the way that the Israelites were commanded to uh, keep the Sabbath, so on and so forth. And then on May 31st, which is a singing night, um, Anthony's going to cover the, the question that dealt with singing and musical instruments. So. Uh, those will be the, the lessons, and if you submitted uh, one of those questions, why please keep in mind uh, the, those evenings. We hope that you'll be here for every one of our Sunday evening sermons, but uh, you would want to be here for the, the lesson that you requested. One of the questions that was submitted had to do with um, giving back the way that I understand the question from Anthony, uh, the questioner said, um, well, um, we give back, we give to the collection at church, and then what about um, the community outreach or about helping the homeless and things like that? And so this evening we're going to be covering um, a lesson on giving, the collection, uh, the, the, the church treasury and, and what the Bible tells us that that can be used for. Many of you uh, probably say, well, this, this is material that I'm very familiar with, and, and, and so treat it then as a review. But possibly some may um, not have studied these topics uh, to the detail that hopefully we'll go over tonight, and we will be able to answer questions in, in this regard. Um, 
Let me say at the outset of lessons on giving that oftentimes uh, individuals and congregations don't really like lessons from the pulpit about giving. And there may be some different reasons for this. Maybe, maybe you feel that you've heard some over-the-top lessons where you feel like that a preacher or uh, elders have uh, put demands on you that, that you didn't agree with scripturally. That's possible. Sometimes it may be that, that uh, lessons on giving prick our conscience a little bit because maybe we're not giving as liberally as in our heart we really believe that we should be. And if that's the case, then we need, all of us as Christians, need to be prodded or to have our hearts pricked sometimes to be sure that we are uh, sincere in all that we do. Certainly for any preacher that would say, well, I don't want to preach on giving, my comment to that is, yes, it may not be a popular subject, but it's a Bible subject. It's a subject that needs to be preached on. You know, Jesus in his parables quite often talked about the responsibility of individuals and the material possessions that God had given to them. In his prayer this evening, Kevin mentioned that everything around us in the whole universe, in the seasons and everything else, is controlled by God. And it's also true that everything that we have that's good comes from God. James tells us in James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. It's from above and it comes from the Father of lights. And so all the good that we have does indeed come from God. He has first given us the blessings that we have in our life. And therefore, God then has every right, since he gave those to us, to say to us, and you need to also learn to give back, if you will. And that was part of the question, as, as I understood it was, um, well, are we as Christians supposed to give back, or is that a proper term? Well, yes, I think it is, because God has first given it to us, and so upon the first day of the week when we contribute or give or become uh, those who put into the collection plate, any of these terms I think are, are scriptural terms for us to use, then we're giving back just a very small portion of what God has first blessed us with. So let's look at some questions and aspects of giving or the collection and the treasury uh, this evening together. Let's, uh, let's first address to ourselves the question of, well, why should we give? Well, first of all, we are commanded to. The scripture from 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 and 2 that Tim read for us, clearly an inspired apostle, Paul, commanded the church at Corinth that upon the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside as he has been prospered so that there won't have to be uh, special gatherings when I come. And so the, the church at Corinth was being commanded, and Paul said, 
as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia. The word order, in a military sense, carries the idea of a command. And then he said, each one of you must do, and the word must implies a command. And so we're, we're commanded in the New Testament as Christians that we are to give upon the first day of the week. Now, if someone says, well, uh, I see Paul saying that to the church at Corinth, but does that apply to us today? Well, let's logically look at it this way. There was a specific need that had been identified where there was uh, those who would need food or other things because of a famine. We're going to cover a verse in a moment from Acts 11 that tells us about that. And so um, the church at Corinth was being commanded by Paul that since there is a need, you need to lay by in store. You need to give each first day of the week into a treasury or into a sum so that that money will be there to meet the needs of certain Christians that you have pledged that you want to help. So, any congregation of the Lord's Church that has decided that there are certain things or needs that they want to meet, then would be in the same um, situation as the church at Corinth. There's a need, and so there is a command to give to meet those needs. But that's not the only reason. We have an example given by the early church. And um, the example that the early church sets for us in Acts 11, 27 through 30 is where this starts. We read that in those days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Note, then the disciples, who were first called Christians at Antioch, and this is the church at Antioch that we're reading about, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And so there was... Through the Spirit, a prophet who said there's going to be a great famine throughout all the world. And uh, it's, it's going to impact greatly the area of Judea. And so the church at Antioch, the disciples there, determined that they were going to uh, take up this collection in order to be able to help with the relief of those in Judea the brethren in Judea, and they indeed did this over time. Throughout the book of Acts, we see Paul preaching to various churches that they needed to uh, do the same thing that the brethren here at Antioch were doing. That is what he was talking to the church at Corinth about in, in 1 Corinthians 16. There's also a longer passage in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, where, where Paul uh, talks at length. In fact, I could say in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, really in their entirety, deal uh, in one way or another with giving and with the need to meet the needs of uh, the brethren who were going to be impacted by this famine and of 
other congregations who were contributing likewise, just as Paul was exhorting the Corinthians to do, to meet those needs. And so the example of the early church is certainly when there's a need that needs met, then Christians should give, and we're told on the first day of the week, in order to have the resources to help those who are in need. There are needs, why should we give? There are needs that require money for a congregation to function. And, and as long as a congregation is having those needs, then there also likewise should be contribution in order to cover those needs as well. The purpose of giving, we've touched on it to a degree there, but let's get that out. I think clearly the purpose of giving is to support the works and ministries of the church, of a congregation of the Lord's church. Um, and any congregation that has identified works or ministries that, that they want to carry out are going to need money to do that. And so there's the purpose for it. But let me say that I think that we need to see that our giving really goes beyond just, well, there's some needs that a congregation has. I believe that God, in His wisdom, knows that we as individuals need to learn to be givers. Our Father God is a giver. From the very beginning, He has, he has given to His children all things that we need. And again, we already mentioned that James says every good and perfect gift comes from God. God continues to give day after day after day. And God says, my people need to learn to be givers as well. In fact, in Acts 20 and verse 35, Paul quotes these words from the Lord Jesus, which interestingly enough, this is... Words of Jesus that we don't find in the four Gospels. But in Acts 20 and 35, Paul says, And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. As we mature as Christians, well, let me say as we mature as people, I think we, we should realize, yes, we get more out of giving than we do out of receiving. Now, that's, that's a... a a concept that is absolutely lost when we're young children. You would have never gotten me to believe when I was uh, seven or eight or nine years old and Christmas was approaching that it's more blessed to give than to receive because I was selfish and I was looking ahead to uh, gifts that I wanted to get. And, and in my mind, that was the important thing. But as I got older, I realized, you know, giving and watching people find great satisfaction in what we do for them brings me greater joy than the gifts that I open. And now, as well, as a parent and now as a grandparent, I can absolutely tell you that, that uh, I get a whole lot more good out of watching my grandkids, for instance, open gifts that, that, that we've bought for them more so than me opening any gift of my own. But God knows from a spiritual standpoint that we get more out of giving than, than we do receiving. We need, as individuals, to learn to give. And when you think about it, 
ultimately, God does not need anything from man. He's God. What I mean by this is that if we start thinking, well, if I don't give, then God's work is not going to get done. No, we, we've missed a point. God's will will get done regardless of whether you or I individually do anything, because he's God. Now, we'll be the ones that will suffer when we don't do uh, the things that we're capable of doing. But God's will will, will get done, and God doesn't have to have my money or your money in order to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. We're the ones that ultimately miss out and lose if we fail to learn to be the kind of givers that God, first of all, is. In Psalm 50, um, I believe this is a psalm of, of uh, Asaph, where he is speaking or repeating the words of God, and where God says in verse 10, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. And then in Psalm 50 and verse 12, he says, the world is mine in all its fullness. In essence, what we give to God, he says, I've already got it all. But you need to learn to give back. You need to learn to be a giver. You need to learn the joy of giving from the heart and, and for a right reason. And so the purpose of giving is to help us to learn to be more like God and more like His Son, Jesus Christ. The principles of giving, as the New Testament tell us, are um, ones that we often hear read at the um, Sunday morning period when we're getting ready to uh, pass the collection plate. We're supposed to give freely. In um, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, this is where Jesus is sending his 12 apostles out on what we call the limited commission. And Jesus has told them where they're supposed to go and what they're supposed to teach. And then he gives them power, powers to perform miracles. And in Matthew 10 and 8, Jesus says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. And then he says, freely you have received, freely give. There's a principle here that the apostles did not pay a cent to Jesus when he gave them the power to do those things. It was truly a gift given to them. Christ said, you were given it freely. Don't you be stingy with it. Don't you try to uh, make something on what I gave to you freely. And so, freely you have received, freely give. When we have realized how blessed we are from God and how much he's given to us, then we likewise should realize um, we, wanna, we want to be freely or free will in what we're giving back to God. We don't want to be stingy with it. We don't want to do our alms like the Pharisees in order to be seen of men so that we get praise from men. No, you've received freely, give freely. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6, Paul says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
And so if we are stingy and tight in our giving, then God says, well, you're going to, you're going to reap exactly what you sow. That's a principle throughout Old and New Testament that God wants us to get. Give freely. Another principle is give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't want us to be miserly or stingy or to, to uh, give because uh, we feel we have to. He wants us to do it as a free will offering, and he wants us to do it with a cheerful heart. Just as we were saying a moment ago, the idea of learning how to be a good giver. And a third principle, give as you have prospered. Here and in 1 Corinthians 16 and 2, uh, let each one lay by in store as he has prospered. Give as you have prospered. Not everybody is, is going to make the same amount, so... Not everybody's going to give the same amount because not all have prospered in the same degree. In some uh, occupations, people make a lot more at certain times of the year than they do at others. I think this would certainly apply then. Uh, someone might say, well, I figure out what I'm going to make over the year and I divide it up equally into 52 Sundays. I don't think that's wrong either. But God wants you to realize that you give as you have prospered. And if, you're, if for some reason you were out of work and you weren't making anything, then I don't believe that God expects you to give when, when you are not having any income. Now, when you are blessed and, and you have additional income, then certainly uh, you'd have the opportunity to make up then uh, what God has blessed you with. And it might be more uh, than what you were giving previously. So give as you've been prospered. Give freely, give cheerfully, give as you've prospered. Those are principles that the New Testament teaches us regarding our giving. For what can the church treasury be used? And, and I believe, assuming from the question that, that was, was given to us, that this may have been part of the question when it talked about community outreach, uh, helping the homeless, uh, we give back to God. We've talked about uh, the principles of giving. We've talked about the purpose of giving, so on and so forth. But what can the church treasury be used for? Well, this has been a question that, that uh, has been studied and debated over the years. But I think clearly that the, that the Bible gives us some very, very plain answers. First of all, the, the treasury the money that's collected by a congregation uh, can and should be used to spread the gospel. How do you do that? Well, paying preachers is one way. Supporting missionaries is another way. Training preachers to go and preach the gospel would also be a means of, of spreading the gospel. Um, in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 14, we read, even so the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. I don't think you can get much plainer than that. The Lord's commanded that, that, that a man who preaches should live of the, from the gospel that he's preaching. And so paying preachers, uh, supporting missionaries, whether that be 
uh, in, on foreign soil or whether that be in mission fields within our own country. Um, I believe that certainly that's spreading the gospel and, and that is the chief mission of the church to make Jesus Christ known and loved throughout the entire world, um, to uh, let people know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for our sins. And so spreading the gospel is something that the treasury certainly can be used for. To help the poor and needy, um, can, can the church treasury be used to help those who have needs? Well, we just read that's exactly what the church at Antioch determined to do when there was a famine, when there was going to be a famine, and when they knew there were going to be needs, and when they knew there were people that were going to um, be uh, in need of food, probably clothing and other things, and so helping the poor and needy. In Galatians 6 and 10, Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We're going to come back and talk about that verse in a little more detail in a moment, but clearly, as we have opportunity, do good to all. Would that include the poor and needy? Absolutely, it would include the poor and needy. Um, the treasury could be used to meet the needs of widows and orphans. In James 1.27, James writes, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit, that's King James and New King James, but visit there means to meet the needs of, to see that they are taken care of, orphans and widows in their trouble, those who are uh, in need, in trouble in, in essence, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The verse goes on. First Timothy 5 also talks about Paul's instructions to Timothy that's probably a part of what will be covered in, in the lesson on dealing with widows and the elderly. And so uh, nothing more to, that I'm going to say about that at this time. But I do want to point out, going back again to Galatians 6 and 10, the poor and needy. And part of the question was about helping the homeless. Um, can the church treasury be used to help the homeless? Yes, it can. Certainly. And... Um, this congregation uh, over the last year has helped uh, a man who was homeless. Mike Greenaway is a member of this congregation and, and we as a congregation have helped Mike uh, through that. And um, that's certainly something that uh, is very scriptural to do, I believe. Um, would it be okay to help other homeless people. Yes, it would. But let's notice again what Paul said in Galatians 6 and verse 10. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith, members of the church, he's saying. There's a priority set for us as Christians. Help all, but the highest priority of help is supposed to go to members of the church. And so then, um, when we have limited resources, a decision has to be made. Uh, well, are we going to 
just give all of the money that we might have for benevolence uh, to the first person who comes along, if we did that, or the first 10 people that came along and none of them were members of the church, we could easily give away the entire treasury and have nothing left for members of the church that needed it. Uh, and, and that would be missing the priority that the New Testament clearly gives us, that we're supposed to help uh, brothers and sisters first. And so there's often difficult decisions that have to be done or have to be made in this regard. I want to be sure that um, in answering what I think to be part of this question, that I make it clear to you that the entire eldership here believes clearly that we can use the church treasury to help those who are not Christians. So don't mistake that at all. Helping the homeless, uh, other, other people out there in the world. But we also realize what Galatians 6.10 tells us, that there's a first responsibility here. And so we wish that we had such a large contribution and such a large treasury that we didn't have to worry about running out of money when, when needs come our way. But that's not the case. And so there has to be hard decisions made sometimes as to uh, do we help people who are outside the church when we believe that we're going to have needs within our body? And, and again, those decisions often cause us to uh, say, we're going to hold off in helping those outside in order to help those inside, which is what Galatians 6 and verse 10 commands us to do. So hopefully uh, you understand what I'm saying on that. What's right to do or what's allowed to do with the church treasury is one thing, but following the precept of Galatians 6.10 to especially help those who are brethren, who are members, who are uh, those of the household of faith requires some hard decisions to be made. And in the country in which we live, much of the aid to those who are um, claiming to be poor and needy is done by the government. That doesn't relieve the church of its duties. But we also have to realize that we are commanded in, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10 that if a man won't work, neither should he eat. And so if somebody is able-bodied and could work for a living but is just wanting to be a freeloader and be handed out uh, their living, then the command is, you don't do that. You, you don't become an enabler of someone who's just trying to milk the system. And so there has to be decisions made about the true needs and whether a person is legitimately in need of this help or are they just uh, looking for a handout, or are they just asking for money to go and buy, far too often, folks, drugs or alcohol. And so those are hard decisions, as I said, that must be made. For what can the church treasury be used? Well, certainly those first three that were on the screen, Scripture is very clear on all of those, I think. I also believe that it's okay to use the treasury to buy or build a building to meet in and the upkeep of it. Uh, we don't find meeting houses in the New Testament church. They 
typically met in homes or in public places like the synagogues or on a river bank and so on and so forth. But the command for us to meet together and as our, our um, assemblies got larger and larger, then to have a building large enough for us to all come together in one place necessitates having a building. And a building means a cost to buy or build it and a cost to upkeep the same uh, with utilities and, and um, uh, maintenance and the many things that go along with that. Can a church treasury be used to outreach to the community? Yes, I think absolutely so. And we believe in doing that here. Um, the advertising we do when we have a VBS, when we have seminars and, and bring speakers in, when we have special classes such as the, the um, Financial Peace University class um, the, to, to teach people to how to um, use their money properly, and we invite the community to come into that. Those are all ways that we're trying to outreach to the community, and I'm sure there's others. I just listed a few examples there um, for us to, to think about. So, how much should a Christian give? Well, this is probably the part of a lesson on giving that, that people start to cringe about, but there's no set amount or percentage stated in the New Testament. It's just not. Uh, there's only concepts and guidelines that are given in the New Testament, such as so bountifully, Paul would say. Don't so sparingly, so bountifully. Or your liberal sharing has uh, amounted to great blessings from God, he would say in another case. But, Remember, just because there's no amount or percentage given, that there are some precepts I hope we'll keep in mind. First, those who are praised by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 4 were praised because they first gave themselves to the Lord. It wasn't just their money that, that God was interested in. Uh, it was far more about giving themselves to the Lord committing their lives to the Lord, their talents, their abilities, their time. Consider the parable, the talents that Jesus gives us in Matthew 25, where their talent in the New Testament was a sum of money, but it's come down to us to mean our abilities and the things that, that we find opportunity to do. The Old Testament was given as our tutor or our example and in the Old Testament, the example given <clears throat> by God to the Israelites were that they were commanded to give a tenth, a tithe. But then there were other free will offerings and there were other amounts to be given so that when we read carefully what God commanded the Israelites, a tenth was just the beginning of their giving. Those Israelites absolutely gave more than one-tenth when they did all that God commanded them to do. And remember that we have a superior or a better covenant. The Hebrew writer would say, Jesus has become a guarantee of a better covenant. Or inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. And so, 
under the old law, which was the lesser or the inferior covenant, they were commanded to give at least a tenth and, and more than that. And we have a superior or a better covenant. And so I want to close with a question for each of us and then a principle for all of us to remember. Should those enjoying superior blessings, which we are, give an inferior amount? It's a question I hope that all of us will, will think seriously about. And then remember that we can never outgive God. God spoke through the prophet Malachi this way in Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? God's answer, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Think about that precept that God has given us there. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, he says, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you will not be able to receive. We will never outgive God. We hope that this lesson on giving and collection and the church treasury has answered questions that you may have or has been a good refresher for all of us. If you are here this evening and you've never become a Christian by being baptized for the remission of your sins, you have the opportunity to do that this evening as we sing an invitation song. If you need to come confessing sins, we'd be happy to pray with you and for you in this regard. If you have these needs, won't you come as together we stand and sing?